Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Collateral Creatives, the show where we go into content that isn't necessarily Christian to find a characteristic of God or something that we can take away as Christians. I'm your host, Austin Murphy, and I'm joined once again by my lovely co-host, Cheyenne Wyatt. And today we're going to be going through a very controversial topic, but of course, Everything, Everything is, is controversial. controversial. <laughs> still working. We're on still working it. on that one. But, yeah. But you know, we've been going. We've, we've been hitting the the, the lyric boards hard, <laughs> trying to figure that one out. Also, apologies if I sound a little stuffy or anything like that. I'm currently recovering from a cold, so my nose has still determined to prove that I still have a cold. So our primary goals today, we want to obviously go into Harry Potter, uh, both as a book series and as a film series. And first of all, go through its story, go through what its meanings are, go through what it's trying to tell its viewers and its readers. And then, of course, go into J.K. Rowling, the writer of the books, go into the people who made the films, made them possible, made them so unique and probably go into a little bit of the cultural impact that the books have had on society at large because it's it's one of those book series that has especially gotten the focus of a lot of christian circles uh, either for support or targeting of attack everything is controversial uh-huh. yeah so what we're going to be starting off first with is uh is the books and it it's it kind of interesting i didn't know how far apart the books were from the movies actually when it comes to when they were released because Philosopher's Stone, or Sorcerer's Stone, if you're from America, at least. Um, <laughs> Localization. <laughs> uh, came about in 1997, followed by Chamber of Secrets the next year in 1998, followed by Prisoner of Azkaban in 1999, followed by Goblet of Fire in 2000. Then we had a little bit of a gap uh, in 2003. We got Order of the Phoenix, and then 2005, we got Half-Blood Prince, and then capping it off with the Deathly Hollows in 2007. Um so the books themselves i remember them being greatly influential my mother was addicted to them when they came out my family never really like got into it as it was coming out imagine (laughs) but um when i got a little bit older i got into it just because i was and still am quite an avid reader so if it's a book on a shelf, I'm interested in it. That's facts. <laughs> so, uh, just like going to the section in the bookstore or in the library that's more geared towards the kids, uh, they kind of had like a shrine for Harry Potter where they had merchandise and um, just stuff related to it. Um And so it was like, oh, yeah, Harry Potter is a thing. And so I was definitely aware of it. And I think that's maybe why I was like, oh, yeah, I should read these because they seem really popular and I want to be able to talk to people about them. You know, they actually still have those shrines in places like Books A Million and Barnes and Noble. Yeah, like they're still there. They have not gone away. No, Harry Potter, it it just became a, a worldwide phenomenon like the moment it came out. And I think it was because it was just so easy to pick up and read. Like you're immediately pushed into a wizarding world in a, in the most simplest in in the simplest way possible, you know. Yeah, well, and like one of the online communities that I care about the most, uh, it's called Vlog Brothers. The reason that they got so popular is because Hank Green, one half of the Vlog Brothers, he made a parody or not a parody. He made a song about the Deathly Hollows coming out in 2007 because everyone was waiting for it to come out. And so he wrote a song about it, just a silly one, and that went viral. Yeah. So that's where most of their fan base, that, or at least their original fan base, comes from. And so it's just interesting how it really did impact a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And my mother especially, I I remember she also was a huge fan and still is a really big fan of these books. Um, She'll sometimes listen to them. If she's not listening to the Bible, she'll listen to Harry Potter on audiobook while she's driving around. Because apparently the the person who does the the voice for the audiobook does a really good job of doing voices. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I feel like there's probably like different people who read them. Probably, yeah. Considering how popular it is, so you can probably get different versions especially if you go the route of the old tapes you could probably get yeah instead of audible which always is the same 
Yeah. And then with the movies, those, like you were saying, have a little bit of a gap with when they came out. Yeah. Um, they actually, they, they came out pretty, pretty far after because we had, uh, we had, you know, Philosopher's Stone, Sorcerer's Stone coming out in 2001. Then you had Chamber of Secrets in 2002. Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban coming out in 2004. Uh, Goblet of Fire in 2005. Um, you had Order of the Phoenix in 2007. Half-Blood Prince in 2009. And then part one of Deathly Hollows was in 2010. And the final part, the final film, was in 2011. And it's ridiculous to me that we're over 10 years far <laughs> gone from the last Harry Potter film. It's been a while, yeah. It's kind of weird to think, too, because um, my first experience with Harry Potter, I actually don't remember. I was telling you earlier about this. Uh, my parents, uh, we did foster care gr- when I was growing up, and so all of the foster kids wanted to watch uh, S- The Sorcerer's Stone when it came out, and or when it came out as a DVD, because uh, we weren't able to go to the movie theater, like with me being a little kid and yeah. like us having just like so many people um, or so many foster kids. And so they got it when it came out on uh, DVD. And so <laughs> as they were watching it, I watched it with them just because I was like, well, it's not like too graphic for a little kid. I was like maybe two or three at the time. Yeah. And I was hanging in there and like, you know, there were like some things where I was like, eh, not a huge fan. Of it. And like my parents were like making sure I was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I got to the scene with Fluffy, the uh, Cerberus dog. <laughs> and I, at first I was like, oh, puppy. And then it got mad and I was like, ah, bad dog, bad puppy. <laughs> and they had to turn it off and I kind of ruined the movie night. Dang. Um, but that was my first experience with Harry Potter. I don't even remember it. It's just a story that my parents told me and maybe that's a bad parenting move, but I kind of find it funny. Yeah. Um, that I don't even remember the my first encounter with this story because I read the books much later. Um, and then after I read the books, I watched the movies. Oh, okay. I think I haven't seen the seventh one, or I haven't seen the sixth and seventh. So I think I've only watched up to like the Order of the Phoenix, and that was just because I couldn't find them. That's where a lot of people say that the Harry Potter films get really good, but in my personal opinion... <laughs> I'm still I'm still here thinking that like the the peak of the films were was probably Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. And maybe I have watched all the way through because like I can remember scenes from like the later movies. Well, it's possible that you just saw the clips that were being put everywhere at the time. And maybe I have no idea. Um so and that's kind of like where it gets complicated because it's like i can remember this scene but maybe i've just seen it on youtube or something Mm -hmm. and that just again emphasizes how popular like this franchise is Mm -hmm. now to to set expectations ahead of time we're not going to be going and explaining the entire plot of these books that would take a while it would take a really long time so just a brief synopsis just to just to summarize all of it there's a kid named Harry. He's not a Potter. That's his last name. <laughs> what? <laughs> the amount of Harry Potter jokes I've heard in my life is ridiculous. Um, I saw a meme that was Happy Otter. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And it has an otter with like each of the uh, book covers, uh-huh. uh, but like adapted to like an otter that's being funny. happy and it's wonderful <laughs> anyway that's off topic uh-huh. um so harry he's he's different he's he's the chosen one character of this whole thing um because there's a dark lord because this is a wizarding world and there's a there's sorcery involved so obviously there has to be a dark sorcerer a character named voldemort <gasps> you said the name Shh. who must not be named <laughs> you know who um 
he comes in not going to explain why he comes into the house that's a whole other explanation and he kills harry's parents and he tries to kill harry but because of the we're going to just say the power of love for now um harry's mother is able to protect him and uh harry survives he grows up but with a scar <laughs> with a scar on his forehead i figured that was just a given <laughs> i mean is it? It, it most people are just gonna be like oh he has a scar that is in the shape of a lightning bolt um so he grows up not knowing that he's a wizard and he grows up with some pretty 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 bad uh replacement parents because at some point he finds out that he's a wizard because a character named hagrid shows up and is like you're a wizard harry I'm a what? A wizard. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he takes Harry and literally just whisks him away off into the wizarding world with Hogwarts. Um, Which that, is a magic school. It is a magic school. And uh, he he ends up meeting his two best friends for like the rest of the entire story, uh, Hermione Granger and Ron Weasley. And they go through a lot of misadventures. There's a lot of bumps along the way. They, they experience some crazy stuff. And it eventually all culminates to years later when they're pretty close to graduation and Voldemort attacks. And there's a... Again. A, like a <laughs> deadly final battle. Yeah. And Harry has to go up and stand against Voldemort. Um, now... We'll talk about the significance of that final battle later because there's a lot of like throughout these stories there's a lot of ties to what christians believe there's a lot of christian nods here and there but that's going to be for the topic later on for now uh with that whole synopsis there i kind of want to go into uh jk because jk rowling a lot of people love her a lot of people hate her everything is controversial yes because rowling uh, yes a brilliant writer with a lot of capacity for writing um a lot of people think that she's a one-hit wonder though and that she's never going to write anything nearly as good as harry potter ever Mm -hmm. Um, which i guess she's going to try again she's writing another book right now i think so yeah yeah um but she's been under a lot of controversy recently because she's actually continuing to change the books yeah she keeps adding content yeah and a lot of people aren't fans of that no I actually have a short list here. Uh, just a couple of the things that she's changed from when they were originally written to now. And mind you, she made these changes over Twitter. And she's claiming that they're official, which is why the fan base of Harry Potter doesn't really accept them to be true oftentimes. Um, first of all, like in the first film and the first book, there's a there's a, a lady on the trolley or there's a lady on the train that you ride to Hogwarts and she has a trolley full of candy and apparently she's a mortal like an eldritch deity sort of character that defends the train um where she was when the Dementors showed up in Prisoner of Azkaban we'll never know <laughs> taking a nap <laughs> she um, was protecting the candy those yes. chocolate frogs are essential to the well-being <laughs> of the train Austin how dare you <laughs> Um, the one of the horrible replacement parents that uh, Harry had, Uncle Vernon, uh, turned out to be pro pro Brexit, uh, and also watched Top Gear. Um, so just an unnecessary change, really. <laughs> Is it even a change? It's just like an add-on. It's just it's more like just changing what you understand about somebody. Yeah. Um, because like there's certain things that you just don't think about that she's like oh by the way oh by the way (laughs) here's some extra info yeah like with the newer fantastic beasts films now we know that dumbledore had a second sibling it wasn't just a brother and a brother yeah fantastic beasts does add an interesting layer to the lore because some things have needed to be changed or added on to and some people aren't a fan of that some people are yeah because it's like oh it expands the world and other people are like it doesn't need expanded leave it, it alone the world. <laughs> and then there's also the whole i think this is the more controversial stuff because like saying that uncle vernon is into brexit um that's fairly harmless um but as far as her tweets go i think the times where she starts getting into sexuality and uh saying that certain characters are gay or um 
I think there's one where she talks about how Hermione is actually black. Yeah, uh, there there was that. There was uh, she makes a lot of changes with those ways. Like uh, someone was concerned that there was no uh, clear cut Jews in Hogwarts, so she randomly just made one up and tossed him into Hogwarts. Yeah, so she's trying to go back and increase the diversity um, in the book, which okay, diversity's good. Um, but I don't, not, I don't think it needs to be specific. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to say that. Oh, by the way, like confirmed, here's what's going on. And I think that's a problem that a lot of um, modern books are falling into is mm-hmm. uh, feeling the need to uh, just like be diverse or politically correct um for example uh this other book series which could also be really controversial to bring up Mm -hmm. it's called percy jackson and the olympians oh i watched that movie with the percy jackson series uh so there's like three iterations so there's the original series where we have our original og five books that are focused on percy jackson then we have the heroes of olympus series which is another five books that um fulfills the prophecy that we're given at the end of that original series and then we have the trials of apollo which is the next kind of addition to uh the series world that we've been building because like each one is its own like individual series but they're all connected and like continue off of each other so it's really hard to explain anyway you can see how they progress in how diverse they're trying to be Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because on the one hand, Rick Jordan, the guy who wrote them, he wrote them with the intention of wanting them to be a book series that anyone could read and identify with. He has characters with ADHD and dyslexia and they're not super popular and they struggle a lot and he wants them to be people that kids can look at and be like yeah I can relate and so given our current times with all of the sexual orientation stuff all of the uh, racial diversity um, stuff going on like okay it does make sense that he would feel the need to have more characters who have those identities so that kids who are struggling with that would have characters to look at it and go oh i identify with that character because that's always been what he tries to do but as you read this stories it kind of also feels like he's just being really political correct and checking off boxes like okay do we have a black character cool check do we have a gay character yeah we have two check Mm -hmm. um and it's really disappointing (laughs) in a way because the original series i feel like is really good and uh there's a lot that we could get into like we can make a whole uh, podcast episode over the percy jackson series we should yeah we should um (laughs) because that's another one that isn't necessarily christian Mm -hmm. and i feel like there's some good christian (laughs) messages that we could take from it Mm -hmm. um because everything is controversial and having a book series about greek mythology is you know gonna raise a few eyebrows Mm -hmm. um but then as stuff progresses it kind of does go downhill a little bit in uh some of the morals and stuff because they start addressing uh more topics about sexuality and it's just like okay this makes it a little bit harder to read and i feel like a lot of book series do that where they're like okay we need to make sure we have gay characters we need to make sure that we have xyz characters and i think 
that's part of what she's trying to do like retroactively is be like oh since i wrote these in the 90s i didn't know that we would be in a time period where we need to have all these gay characters or need to have all uh, this diversity in the literature and like that's something that's really valued right now um if you look at agents or publishers like what they want to have submitted to be published or reviewed or whatever they're like i really want to support stories that have diverse characters and like if you look at the books that are for sale right now that have just been published you're going to find a lot of gay characters a lot of uh mixed races a lot of all of those things that you don't necessarily see in older books it's interesting how she feels the need to go back and fix it Mm -hmm. like fix in air quotes because i don't think that was something that was broken (laughs) and like it really begs the question on like are we really willing to go back and change literature just to match how time passes are we going to let literature be literature and then the other question that it poses is is it really impossible for you to be able to relate to a character that isn't like you yeah and kind of going off of that with the whole homosexual character thing that i've been talking about Mm -hmm. um i did say that it does make it a little bit harder to read some books Mm -hmm. um because i believe that's a sin (laughs) and so it's like uh i don't necessarily like i don't condone what this character is doing but everyone's sinful like any book series that you read is going to have sin in it yeah um because it's gonna have humans in it and i feel like this is potentially off topic but being able to read a book series that has homosexual characters in it will maybe help you be able to have conversations with someone who is gay or lesbian or fill in the blank because it'll help you understand their perspective and so i do see value in having diversity in literature yeah um because it'll help you understand their perspective and all of that but we don't need to force it so much yeah shoehorning it is the problem usually because it's like you don't just have a character that that just happens to be gay you have a gay character and that's quite oftentimes these days just that one character's trait yeah it becomes their personality yeah the fact that they're gay and it it takes away a lot from the from the way that characters are supposed to be written it loses the depth of making a character in the first place yeah and so it's it's really frustrating just as a reader um running across a character and being like oh okay their personality is that they're gay mm-hmm. um when that could have just been like a part of who they are and i could have been educated more about what it is like to be gay in this fantasy world mm-hmm. um and that would have helped me learn how to interact with someone who's gay and talk about god or you know just build a relationship with them because you know you got to build a relationship before you can talk about god and some people aren't comfortable with reading um with reading books that have gay characters and that's totally cool because again just as we've been talking about you have to have discernment and know what you're capable of and some people aren't comfortable with that even, yet. even people who aren't christians there are people out there who just straight up get uncomfortable when they read about these things yeah and so it's it's really complicated and like you said with the whole shoehorning thing like forcing it really makes it where the characters are one-dimensional and don't shine as much mm-hmm. and I feel like it's almost insulting to both the reader and to the story, like plot-wise, character-wise, everything. And even the people in those communities. Yeah, and the people in the community. (laughs) Um, 
when you're not genuine about how you're doing representation Mm -hmm. because if we had like a christian character who's in a story and they're like i am christian and they just only talk about jesus the entire time you mean most christian films (laughs) (laughs) um it's not gonna get cut oh no okay um if they only talk about jesus the entire time and like quote the bible to every single thing that that character says and they never develop like a personality they don't have any history mm-hmm. or a past that's not that's not good that's not good writing exactly and that's that's right there is what we're saying it's not saying like oh we need to get rid of homosexuality in books we need to get rid of a difference in ideologies and a difference in how we want to do storytelling because it is important to bring up characters who do these sort of things who live these sort of ways who behave in these manners because even the bible contains these things yeah and it's because there's lessons to be learned there's ways in which for you to be able to grow as a person or learn to communicate with these people by diving into that kind of content warily yeah like don't go out and read a ton of gay romance stories that are very explicit like that's that's not what i do that's not what you should do like but if there's gay characters in the story and they're interacting like oh okay like that just gives you a new perspective on how human life works and how sin works and it's the same as if you read a story and there's an alcoholic and there or there's someone who murdered someone or Mm -hmm. any other sin like you can fill in the blank because sin drives plot and it drives human motive and there's just so much you can learn through experiencing narratives yep and i think that's that's really well represented uh at one point and a good example i want to bring up just because we brought up a lot of bad examples i want to bring up a good example that actually changed my perspective on things at one point Um, Because I used to be extremely against these sort of things. I used to be extremely against homosexuality or anything sinful popping up in any content at all, which was naive of me to to say because sin, like you said, is in everything. So you can't avoid it. Sin is even found in the Bible. It's detailed. It's detailed how someone sins, what happens when someone sins. So if the Bible itself is containing sin and is a cautionary tale for it, you can find that same thing in in other pieces of content. And uh, in one of my favorite shows, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there's a character in there that is gay, but they have a it's so clean how they do it because it's a it's a character that is important to this this team of special agents that are trying to save the world. And this character is like, no, I got to go back. And they're like, why? And it's like my husband's down there. And he starts going on this like little rant about like the family that they've had and uh, how much this person means to him. And that's the only time after this character has been here for around like maybe two or three episodes. That's the only time that he's brought up the fact that he's gay. And then for the rest of the time, he's just worried about his husband from like start to finish for the rest of the season. So it's like it's it's one of those things that's it would have been the same thing if this character had a wife. So it's it's natural. It's a clean branch. I don't agree with it still. I wouldn't put it in a piece of content that I'm producing, Mm -hmm. but it is something that is real. You've more than likely everyone here has run into someone who you didn't expect to have a certain trait about them whether or not it's homosexuality just any form of trait that you may not agree with and you found out that they have that trait within them but you didn't want it to immediately change your your perspective on them because they're still the same person there's just something new about them you didn't know and that's something that we wanted to really like push in here is that it's not about going up to somebody and just immediately condemning them for whatever it is that they're doing. It's walking up to them and treating them the same way that Jesus would treat sinners and just be like, hey, let's be friends. Let's let's hang out. Because like, you can't represent Christianity properly by shouting at somebody. That's just mm-hmm. that's not how it works. That's never how it works. It never will work that way. It's it's never been a case where someone will go to a Christian and assume that they'll understand because of our past of shouting at people. And I and I want that to change. And so that this is this is one of the reasons why we've brought this up as a topic of conversation because Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling's uh, incessant need to change things forcefully it's made Harry Potter fans angry. Even the ones who agree with the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. the ones who are gay, 
don't want Dumbledore to be gay because they're like, you're just changing the story. Why would you just do that? I don't need that fulfillment. I just assumed yeah. that a student somewhere in Hogwarts was probably gay. <laughs> so it's it's just one of those long topics. But we've gone uh, we've gone pretty deep into that. So we're just going to try to circle it back around to <laughs> Harry Potter. Um because there's now more that we that I wanted to get into when it comes to how the films came about. Okay. Uh, because the films, it, it was the thing that brought it into like mainstream. Like Harry Potter's books were great and they were fantastic worldwide, but the films have solidified its legacy. I feel, and it, most in part, most due in part to the fact that they they're generally faithful to the books somewhat there are some details here and there that aren't there that you're not gonna be able to find unless you go into the books yeah which is really hard with a book that long yeah and so as far as accuracy goes they're one of the more accurate movie series yeah. for adapting books because like if you're gonna adapt a book into a film like the first thing you got to do is just find the main theme and then just stick with it. Like that's that's the mm-hmm. easiest part to just lay down the bottom line. And don't change the major events. Yeah. <laughs> Avatar the Last Airbender. <laughs> so many other movies could be inserted here. Dragon Ball Evolution. <laughs> the one that came to mind was uh Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I never watched that one. <laughs> Is it really that bad? Well, they do a really good job for like the first half. They got us in the first half, not gonna <laughs> lie. Uh, but the ending. Mm-hmm. Goodness. Um, <laughs> there's like a whole skeleton army thing that just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Harry Potter. <coughs> So here's a fascinating thing, right? Um, whenever we're talking about Harry Potter films, I think everybody will also think about the main competitor or was supposed to be the main competitor, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. <laughs> um, so Was it really? It was supposed to be because Harry Potter was about to leave. And so people were like, oh, Percy Jackson, they're going to take over now. We're uh, going to get our fantasy fix. And it's a great book series. This is going to be great. And it broke our hearts. But here's the thing, right? You want to know one of the reasons why it was so promising before it came out? Because the guy who did Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, Chris Columbus, also directed The Lightning Thief and Sea of Monsters. So they were like, oh, uh, this dude, he's so good. He made such good movies and was so effective with staying, you know, somewhat attached to the book that it's from. And then, you know, the movies came out. No idea what happened. And to be honest, um, it's it's not like crazy either because like the only other thing that I think that this guy created that was like ooh that's impressive was a jingle all the way with Arnold Schwarzenegger I think mm-hmm. that was um was that with Arnold I have no idea um, I don't know movies yeah it was it was with Arnold um and, and like he he had a little bit of a fun thing with a Fantastic Four film uh huh I think there were. <sighs> A lot of things that could be said about the uh, Lightning Thief and Sea of Monsters movies. Oh yeah, but that's that's another episode. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like he only directed the the first two films. Um, the person to follow after that for Prisoner of Azkaban was I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name, but his name was Alfonso. And he doesn't really have that long of a rep either. He he made a couple short films and like a couple TV series uh, in like Spanish. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, got put on for Azkaban. And it's just one of the best films out of the entirety of the set. It's one of the best books. Azkaban is my personal favorite book. Yeah. Um, So I think that's just the best in general. (laughs) So that's fair. That's why. (laughs) Yeah. Ever since then, he just kind of he just kind of dipped out. He's kind of back into Spanish media. So he just, for him. he just walked in, did Harry Potter, walked out. <laughs> Good for him. That's, that's all you need. Uh, then immediately after that, we got yet another director uh, for another film, a guy named Mike Newell. And uh, Mike Newell, he has a much longer repertoire. He's done a lot of movies, like a ton of movies um, and a couple shows here and there. Not, nothing that was like really crazy. But then he got Goblet of Fire. 
and uh, he nailed it. So it, it was minus the Harry. Did you put your name in the Harry, goblet of fire? He said calmly. Yeah, he said calmly. I think everybody just laughs at that now. Um, and then lastly, for half for like the rest of the films, like Order of the Phoenix, Half Blood Prince, Deathly Hollows Part One and Two. Uh, we got David Yates and David Yates, uh, same thing, didn't really have like much like there. There was probably good films and good shows that he had done. But for the most part, he was a TV guy. And so they just thought, here, here's Harry Potter. Have fun. Um, it's really interesting how cohesive everything is. Oh, yeah, it's, it's impressive. considering that there were so many different directors. Like, the fact that the movies progressively get darker with the lighting. That's one of my favorite theme things of all time. Yeah. Like, it starts out super colorful and bright as Harry is so young and innocent, and that's how the world looks to him. And then by the end, it is almost black and white. Yeah. So brutal. <laughs> it's just like, the where, where did all the color go? Where did my Everything go? is so muted. <laughs> and just... it happens in Prisoner of Azkaban. That's the last time Harry's in it. Harry is innocent. Mm-hmm. That's, it, it's, that's why it's the best. And it's just perfect. Like it's, it's everything a, goes downhill after Azkaban. It's one of those really good examples of a coming of age story because you know you're trying to capture that childhood imagination and childhood innocence, mm-hmm. and it's really really hard to actually get the destruction of that childhood innocence because like it's really hard to remember. It's hard to remember it ever happening. You just mm-hmm. kind of one day grew up and realized that everything is bad. Everything is awful. <laughs> uh, but funny thing is, actually, he didn't stop at the Harry Potter films because he came back and is doing like all the fantastic films. That's cool. Which, by the way, there are going to be five of those films. Yeah, I'd heard about that. Yeah, I don't know why there's going to be five. Um, I don't even know how they're going to do it without Johnny Depp. But, you know, yeah, we're not going to go into that topic. It's just a personal thing yeah. of mine. I'm upset about that situation. For, like, I, I am anyone, Same. anyone who knows anything about the situation. You know what? No, even better. Anyone who thinks that they know what that situation is, go and look into it. I, I really encourage you to do so because that the whole situation is just the worst. But um, as a way for us to wrap this up and, and to make sure that we're topping this off in the way that we normally always do. What can we get out of Harry Potter? Like, and more importantly, how can what can we get out of just this whole sphere that Christians often create? Where if it's something that represents some kind of sin, Christians shouldn't interact with it, and Christians will be negatively affected by it, no matter what, every time. Hmm. Um. First off, before we tackle like some of the bigger things, this might still be a big thing. I don't know. Um. I think one of the big themes in Harry Potter is death. Mm-hmm. Um, like you just see it everywhere. Like there's ghosts, there's the uh, Thestrals. Is that what they're called? The, the horses that you can't see. Yeah. Yeah. Thestrals. There's ghosts, there's Thestrals, there's um, all the different characters who die. Mm-hmm. Insert a uh, list of names that just scrolls past the screen Um, there's Harry who dies yeah like the main character dies and comes back Um, there's so much death in the series and it's really interesting because um, reading this series is actually kind of like what for me made me understand (laughs) how is what for me made me kind of understand how death works in literature um, because like death at the beginning of a series uh, so like his parents is more of just a like sympathy builder it's just a past thing like yes it affects the entire plot Mm -hmm. but it is um, not something that like emotionally is going to be a huge burden yeah. for you as the reader like yes there's emotional scenes like when he's looking into the mirror of Erised and he's like I want parents that are actually good um, but it's just a way for you to build connection with the character then uh, like with characters like Sirius who die in the middle of a series mm-hmm. That's something that pushes the plot forward and creates motivation and it creates more 
of that connection with the character because you as the reader become even more invested in the story. And finally, characters who die at the end. So again, we just have a really long list of names that scroll past Mm -hmm. on the screen. Uh, So like all of the people at the Battle of Hogwarts who died, um, like Lupin or someone like that, um, those help you realize the sacrifice that it takes to complete a goal. But also once you see what happens after the death, it is it points towards hope mm-hmm. and so i think all of that combined helps show a lot about how death affects us as humans even like not in literature yeah um and how it can point towards hope mm-hmm. um and then kind of like additionally love love is such a huge theme because like love is what saves harry love uh plays a huge part in so many different scenes love is literally what drives snape yeah um and so it's stronger than death Mm -hmm. um and i think that's one of the big takeaways from the series yeah and yes like everything requires discernment as Mm -hmm. we've been saying like maybe reading about wizards and magic and sorcerers and maybe you're not cool with that and that's okay and i want to uh, real quick address a an argument that i've heard before um where there have been times where i've heard that it's it's not good to read something like this because it has wizardry, it has witchcraft and all of that. And the usual counter argument is it's a fictional world. So don't relate it to yours. And I, I, I like, I, I hear that one a lot and I'm, I understand, like, I get it. It's a fictional world. Don't worry about what you're doing and why you're interacting with it or anything like that. I would say that it's, it's not the fictional world part that you, that you should be defending. It's the fact that it's just straight up a story the the storytelling part of it there's many lessons to be learned from a story that you yourself never experienced you get to learn a lot of lessons by seeing what the main characters are doing and what they're going through and so by by just saying that it's like oh this is a fictional world whatever it is that you're reading about is is just it's it's fine like yes sometimes it is there are sometimes there are the people that will not be okay with wizarding and that sort of thing that's fine but for the person next to you who says oh that's just fun i think it's really adorable i think it's a really creative way to tell this really 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 simple story like harry potter's story would be ridiculously boring if they had guns like if the, it wasn't if it was a actual, <laughs> just shoot voldemort yeah like if they if it was a if it was like a police academy and it was just about like a detective story. It, it would, would be completely different. It would be a completely different story and it wouldn't have been as yeah. impactful. And then I think another concern that people have is that children are going to mimic the magic and stuff. Like I've heard people talk about like, oh, the spells in the book are going to summon demons or stuff like Gosh, that. that one was funny. Um, <laughs> well, it's okay. A legitimate concern that like there's actual power behind those words it's latin mm-hmm. um like it's based on latin like lumos is the spell for creating light at the tip of the wand and lumos has to do with light Ooh. <laughs> uh, like it means light more or less and so like all of the spells like uh the killing curse has the word cadavra cadaver uh, in it uh and so it's not like yes there's a power to words and so like having a little kid run around like screaming out the killing curse uh maybe a little concerning but Mm -hmm. not as concerning as you may think if it's just latin it might actually get them interested in latin um which would i think be beneficial and plus like kids using their imaginations you're not going to be able to stop it like whenever i was growing up you want to know what i was doing Killing dandelions. Yes, I was a. a, a, This is what my imagination stated. Okay, I was an ancient Chinese warrior. I was standing against a massive army that threatened my nation, and I would slaughter them with a stick. So I would. I destroyed all the dandelions in my front yard 
and I just I would swing the stick like I'm a warrior and I would come back inside and my mom would be like you had fun I'm like yeah <laughs> and it's like yeah like you shouldn't be worried about your kid's imagination like your kid is going to do crazy things with their imagination all the time you should be worried if they're starting to take that too far like yeah. they're starting to live in that world and as we've said before discernment if they're not able to handle it don't give them the books to read until yeah. they're mature enough yeah like poor cheyenne over here with the bad dog <laughs> that came at her at the screen i was maybe a little too young to be sitting and watching <laughs> that with the rest of the family exactly but my parents thought it would be okay mm -hmm. and then they were like oh this is not okay and turned it off yeah and that's that's actually an important part of the equation i think that we missed that we missed before it's okay to make mistakes yeah and there is forgiveness in that and it's it's just part of the the content viewing experience i feel like i turned out okay even though i got scared by fluffy yeah and i feel like i turned okay it turned out okay even though i think i've slaughtered enough dandelions to watching the movie again as when i was older i wasn't scared of fluffy so i don't think there was any lingering trauma no. it didn't trigger anything um just a kid being scared yeah so i got scared of a parrot at a like pet store one time i'm not scared of birds mm -hmm. it's just how kids work yeah so it, it's it's good to be aware of what your kid is is consuming it's good to be aware of what you are consuming but it's also important to be able to see what others are seeing I think probably the biggest mistake that I've ever seen anyone make was go, I wanted to know what this Harry Potter thing was about, so I opened the book to a random page. Yeah, that's not... Like, imagine if someone was Let's curious... Let's take the Bible and <laughs> yeah. open to a open random page. And she would... What is this? Somebody is tearing somebody limb from limb and sending the body parts off to different people? What? Why do you Christians read this? What is that? And if you don't recognize the story, it's from Judges. Yeah, the very, the very end. Yeah, it's like chapter second, 19. Oh, I thought that was Second Kings for some reason. Nah, I mean, there is some tearing from limb to limb and oh, kings okay. as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of violence in the Old Testament. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so it's, it's just being aware that there is more to the content than what you're you're really seeing it's it's not something that's pure evil because remember if it's if it's something that was created by man then it is likely neither good nor evil if it is an outright ritual being done in the middle of a forest yeah don't go and figure out what's happening over there but if you're holding harry potter the philosopher's stone sorcerer's stone whatever you want to call it then maybe it'd be good to read to see what people are thinking about to see yeah. why people like it so much and if it's too much or you feel a conviction about it you don't have to read it yeah and and usually it's those things it's like it really comes down to your personal interests like i like i know a lot of i know quite a few christians that don't like the matrix because they think that it replaces the concept of god because humans got so powerful they created machines that could lock humans into a virtual world but then there are a lot of Christian philosophers that love going into the Matrix and trying to see what that is like in comparison to living in a world filled with sin. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's really coming down to what your personal interests are, what you are seeing, what God is revealing to you and what you feel comfortable with. But I, I never want to to see let's let's use this buzz term, the lay person. I never want to see the lay person afraid to consume what is in the world because they could be using what's in the world against it. Mm -hmm. Like what we're doing right now with this podcast, as I mentioned before. So that's that's just my ultimate point here with going into Harry Potter and such. Harry Potter is a fantastic story. It is a wondrous story. It's it's one of those uh, it's one of those types where it's, you know, it's a main character going on a wild adventure, mm -hmm. a, a, an and odyssey, it, really. It leaves an impact on you and then it also has a really big community mm -hmm. you can talk to most people about harry potter about whether they like it or if they dislike it mm -hmm. and so if you form an opinion about harry potter whatever it may be you will be able to talk to people <laughs> exactly so just understanding at least understanding the world around you mm -hmm. is really important i don't believe that god would have put us 
here in the world, kept us here in the world, if we weren't meant to at least understand where we are and who these people are around us. Because we can't fulfill the Great Commission if we're going to not be able to understand other people's positions. Yeah, knowledge is really powerful. Exactly, and that's why we have... We have references to this. We have God is love and love is extremely powerful. Having love for one another, having love for the people that you may not completely agree with can come a long way. God is wisdom, having wisdom, having knowledge of things. Yeah, we're supposed to seek wisdom. Exactly. So putting these things to practice, understanding why it is that we made this show, why it is that we wanted to discuss these things. It wasn't an, a, a deep, dark deception we're by Satan. We're going to plot to, be like, to expose going, you to Harry Potter. <laughs> we're going to bring the Christians Potter. to the non-Christian media. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's, it's bringing the non-Christian media to the Christians to tell the Christians, hey, you can overpower this. You can learn something from this. You can this. use this. God can straight up speak to you through this. Mm-hmm. But with all that being said, we're going to wrap it up there. We've we've gone pretty extensive into these things, and I feel like we've said what we've need needed to say. So Yeah, so just keep that in mind whenever someone brings up Harry Potter. I know it can be kind of a controversial topic where people maybe roll their eyes or... Everything is controversial. (laughs) Roll their eyes or uh, sigh and don't want to talk about it, but it can be really interesting if you actually engage with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you can end up learning something about someone. You could even end up getting into a theological discussion. You can end up learning something about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but with that we're going to be wrapping up this week Uh, we thank you all for for watching uh, listening (laughs) for listening to this episode coming up next week and uh, we will see you all then farewell farewell